Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. For today, we will continue with our series of fixed income conversations as we will spotlight the latest fixed income strategist publication from the UBS Chief Investment Office. That title is Give and Take. Uh, Joining us here for the conversation, glad to welcome back uh, the publication's lead author, Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office, Leslie Falconio. Uh, Leslie, thank you for dropping by on this Tuesday morning and for spending some time with our listeners and our clients. Welcome back. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. So, Leslie, the final two months of 2023 yielded notable outperformance for fixed income assets. So perhaps as a good starting point, can you remind us of what drove that performance? And as we now look ahead near term, can such outperformance or performance sustain? Well, I mean, here's the interesting thing. When we think about what happened in the beginning of 2023, remember, January was the month when the 10-year yield went all the way down to three and a quarter from the 388 that it started from. And risk assets such as things like preferred, like returned like 10% in one month. It was a huge returning month going back to January of 23. And then lo and behold, as the economy continued on the stronger path, we saw interest rates rise all the way back to 501 in October of the same year in 23. Now, what's different today is that we never want to say never, but it's unlikely the Fed is going to hike in 2024 unless there's some sort of resurgence in inflation that the market's not expecting, whether it's geopolitical risk or the price of oil, whether it's you know, home price appreciation increasing much more than what's expected and, and having a headwind to inflation coming down. But right now we're a little bit we're, we're a bit more comfortable in the sense of the trend of U.S. interest rates, which will probably be lower throughout the year. And as you know, we're anticipating about a three and a half by year end. However, you know, given the fact of how well, you know, risk assets have done since that 501 in October, because the market is pricing in such a dovish outlook from the Fed, not just the fact that they're past the peak in terms of this historical tightening and they're starting to pivot, but the amount that they're expect market, the market, the amount the market's pricing in of that pivot is about 170 basis points uh, of easing in 2024, which we, we think is a bit overdone. So where this leads us is, is that Although we are anticipating, you know, the Fed to cut this year, we believe they'll start in May. We're expecting about 100 basis points or four cuts from May to the end of the year. And they won't be just done in 24. They'll probably continue in 25. And this will really result in a soft landing, which should lead to risk assets, you know, spread product doing very well. However, that doesn't mean they're going to continuously do well. And what we mean by that is just to sort of reiterate what I was saying earlier about what happened in 23 is that when you have such large spread compression, and we've had this from October, the 501, um, throughout to where we are now in mid-Jan, you know, when, when spread compresses as much as they have combined with the price appreciation that we've seen given interest rates have moved down from a 501 to, you know, we're, we're on in the high 390s right now, um, that's been a great tailwind to total return. However, we do expect that there be some bumps in the road. We do expect a give and take. And you're going to have some headline risks that come across the tape, particularly given the fact that the market is pricing in such a dovish outlook that might, you know, push interest rates possibly to that upper band of four and a quarter and 10 year yield. We would, where we would be a buyer on dips. And you also might see some spread widening, um, particularly in those risk assets, the more highly deeply credit embedded sectors that had such a strong 2023. 
So we continue with the high, the high quality, but we also we also recognize how well these sectors have done for the past two and a half months. So, Leslie, specific to rates within the publication, you do outline expectations for U.S. interest rates to trend lower by year-end to 3.5%, though you also acknowledge the first half of the year, it could be a bumpy road. So what exactly does the first half look like, and how will we ultimately meet that year-end target? Well, when we think about, again, just going quickly back to 2023, you know, the range of the 10-year yield was a three and a quarter to 501, only to end at 388, which is pretty much exactly where it started. So think about that's a huge, wide gap in interest rates. And that was really a tailwind behind all the interest rate volatility that we saw. Now, when we enter into 2024, although the market is very accepting, as are we, that the Fed is now, you know, highly going to be at a pivot point when they cut, you're going to have this disparity in terms of what the Fed guidance is going to be and the a little bit overzealousness of the fixed income market because the fixed income market has a tendency to be forward looking. So they price in, in our opinion, much too many cuts. So what's going to happen is as we get towards that you know, Fed meeting, we've had some data behind us. CPI is a little bit stronger. PPI is a little bit weaker. Right, we had you know non-farm payrolls that looked in the headline to be strength, but then ISM looked to be weak. So you have like these little this this amount of conflicting data, and and from now this week we have retail sales, and then really to the end of the month it's going to be the Fed, and so you're not going to have a huge amount of data, but more than likely in our opinion the Fed will guide the market to yes, they're you know they won't say they're going to cut, but more than likely they're on the path of a of, of a pivot but not necessarily to the strength that the market is currently pricing in. So what we expect is that we've had this range of 375 to 425 in the first quarter of 24. And interestingly enough, for, the, for most of this time, we've been stuck at four. So you're, really, you're stuck right in the middle of our range, 375 to four and a quarter, and we've been sitting around that 4%. And here's the thing, we've been sitting around that 4% while we've seen corporate supply. We've been sitting around that 4% while we've seen treasury supply. So the market is right now kind of, you know, pushing aside those variables that would push interest rates higher simply because it's so um, enthralled with and so in, in determined to just price in these consecutive deep cuts. So we do think that after this Fed meeting and, you know, the and Powell comes out not quite as dovish as the market is pricing in, he will be. Then you're going to see, start to see a little bit of retracement in interest rates again. You know, we don't think it's going to be large, maybe around a four and a quarter, 430. But it's important to recognize that the sentiment today is much different because we're going to have a buy on dip mentality because as I, as we met, as I mentioned, you are going to have that pivot. Okay. Unless there's something that we're not seeing that an unforecasted event, you're going to have the pivot. So, you know, with that said, it gives the market a bit of, a bit of relief in terms of the fact that we're not going to go continuously hiking to, you know, 6%, 6 and a quarter, which really would cause a lot of concern for risk assets alongside the equity market. Um, but, you know, the, the, the repricing now will be to take some of that, those cuts out, push interest rates slightly higher by 25 or 30 basis points, but know that people are going to be on the sidelines waiting to buy when that opportunity occurs. So, Leslie, with respect to positioning, and we can get a bit more specific with respect to allocations a bit later in the conversation, though, in anticipation of heightened volatility through the first half of the year, how should investors respond and or prepare accordingly? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because once again, we're seeing interest rates all a little bit higher and we're seeing equities all 
lower, right? And a lot of the times that happens because, you know, the equity market has a tendency to price in those Fed puts that people at the, at the market, the thing thing was price again right now too, but the expectation that if in fact growth is slower than what we are forecasting, which again is slower growth, right, but, but not in a point where it's a recessionary concern, slower growth, but still at trend or above trend where we have a healthy consumer, healthy corporation, but obviously a, a bit of give back given the higher cost of capital that we've seen throughout the past couple of years. So I do think that interest rate volatility is going to be a bit heightened in the first half of the year because you're going to have this Fed guidance, which might not quite be as dovish this early on as what the market is pricing in. You know, the Fed will not have a lot of the first quarter data for them to actually start cutting in March, in our opinion. So therefore, we believe that they're going to hold off in March. They're going to wait and see. And they'll probably start around mid-year, starting in May. So you're going to have, you're still going to have this interest rate volatility, which, you know, again, interest rate volatility can be a headwind to higher quality risk assets because there's just, you know, higher quality risk assets move according to the, to the treasury rates because they're much more liquid, much more easier to market to market. So they're going to be volatile. But because the fact that we are at a different sort of policy regime, if you will, meaning that they, they will pivot, the impact should not be as great, but the volatility has to be notable. So one of the things that we've always said, and we said this last year as well, is that you do not chase the market. When the market, you know, if the market should go to our, our lower end of three and a half, you know, sooner than the end of the year, you don't go chasing it, buying, buying. You really need you really need to pick your spots and you need to be a bit nimble. So we're gonna add our interest rate risk as interest rates move up to that four and a quarter level, because again, we still have a deficit. We still have a lot of supply coming in the marketplace, and the fact that the market is pricing in such a dovish outlook, then more than likely interest rates are going to move up before they start their trend back down again, simply as the economy slows in the second half of the year. Let's turn to the allocation table, talk about some of the changes you made within the publication. How are you recommending that fixed income investors position at the moment? Yeah, I mean, listen, we, listen last year was a year that corporate credit very much outperformed what we consider mortgage credit, okay? And whether it's the high-quality agency mortgage-backed securities, whether it's the even high-quality CMBS, you know, corporates, high-yield loans all really outperformed the mortgage credit sector. And there were, there were a few reasons for that. Mostly in the agency MBS side, the underperformance was technical and not fundamental. We had the issue with SVB forcing portfolios to sell, we had, you know, an inverted yield curve. We had banks, bank demand being much lower given the loan growth wasn't as high as we've seen in the past, particularly since the yield curve was inverted. Now, as we head into 2024, although those high-quality assets such, in, such as investment-grade corporates, we think will do well simply because we have interest rates moving down over the course of the year. Given how tight those spreads are, you know, you're not going to, the driver of total return for investment-grade corporates is not going to be spread compression, right? It's going to be your interest rate risk which we still think will go down, so we still like the sector, right? So we're still going to be long, high quality like IG. But we do have an emphasis on things like agency mortgage-backed securities, you know, starting to diversify a little bit in the CMBS for those that, that are interested in that sector, given that they lagged last year. We, we do like being long what we call real yields, simply because, and, you know, even though we've had our five-year tip on since the summer, it's done exceptionally well. We put it on around a 225 real yield. You know, we're around a 175-year real yield right now. As the economy continues to slow, we do think real yields come down. And as the Fed starts to cut, right, their view of this infl 
inflation vigilante will go away, and therefore the market's going to say, well, you know, maybe inflation's not going to go to your 2% target, and therefore inflation expectations remain high. Plus, tips are a great way to hedge against, you know, some you know, events that may unexpectedly occur, like a spike in oil or, or geopolitical tensions or whatever that, that might occur during the year that's a heightened, you know, risk for the market. So tips are a great way to hedge that. So we stay with high quality. We diversify that basket outside of just corporate credit. You know, we're going to take that carry, but we're well aware that, you know, given how well risk assets have done, you're going to have these pockets of vulnerability that's going to allow people to, to add in certain sectors as well. Well, Leslie, do appreciate the clarity of the insights as we look ahead over the next few months. It will indeed be very interesting as we monitor how the Fed's policy course will evolve from here and the impact that will have to fixed income assets. So thank you for sharing your expectations, your guidance around positioning, and do look forward to having follow-up conversations with you in the weeks ahead. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Thank you, Leslie. Again, today we have been joined by Leslie Falconio, Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Again, I do want to highlight the publication which Leslie has been making reference to during our conversation today, that being the Fixed Income Strategist. Again, this is a monthly publication, the title for the month of January give and take. The publication is now available up on UBS.com slash CIO, though for clients of UBS, simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.